0: Well good morning everybody. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Gospel Saving Church. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Thank you so much for giving us another beautiful day. Another beautiful day on His wonderful earth and His all the beautiful creation around us. I'm just so thankful that uh, God has brought us here another day and uh, our wonderful church in McKinney, Texas. Um, we have got a special sermon today as you can see by the title. We're not going to be in our same book of the Bible that we've been in for a while. We're going to be in a new book just for one week. But if you guys want to, and that's going to be actually, if you want to turn there, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 2, verses 20 through 24 for part of our sermon today. Um, if you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, though, because I need the Lord to, to bless my mouth and bless our hearts and help us to receive his implanted word and the truth that he has for us today because it's a little bit different than normal, so... If you guys want to join me in a word of prayer, please I, I would surely appreciate it. Lord, uh, dear God Almighty in heaven, we just thank you so much, Lord, for your love, and we thank you so much, Lord God, that you brought us here today, Lord. We thank you so much for your grace, Lord. That, uh, Lord, you're, you're having me teach this message, Lord, and I know some would would take this message to, you know, to to, to They'd be angry at it, Lord, and they're going to be angry at it, Lord. But I, I, but I pray, Lord God, that the people that are listening that would be apt to get angry, Lord, that they wouldn't get angry, Lord. Instead, they would accept what you have to say, Lord God. And if their opinion or their idea doesn't match your idea and what you say in your word, Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you'd bring them to repentance. Lord, and that they would understand what you say is the law and not what they do. Not what they think, Lord, but you have the ultimate authority, Lord, not us. So help us, Lord, to be good hearers, and not just hearers only, Lord, help us to be good doers. Help us to not only hear your word today, but Lord, help us to do it, as your word says. Help us all, Lord God, to accept your truth and not go off of our opinion. We love you, and we praise you, and we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus Christ's mighty name. So instead of reading the scripture right off the bat, first off, I'll tell you when to go there. We're going to read it in a little bit. But I first wanted to introduce myself because I understand that probably you're going to be listening to this message. You've probably never heard a message from me before because of the title of the message and where it's going to show up on all the searches on Google and all that stuff. But I'm Pastor Ed Spagnoli of Gospel Saving Church. We're here in McKinney, Texas. Normally, as I mentioned, I I preach verse by verse through a certain book of the Bible that the Lord tells me to teach. And even currently, we're working through John's first epistle, verse by verse, and we're in chapter 2. But today, we're just taking a break from 1 John for a little bit, but just for one week. Because I believe that the Lord wants me to talk about a certain topic that the Bible covers. And it just so happens to be a very sensitive and controversial topic in our culture today. If you've been listening to me for some time now, you already know that I don't shy away from teaching the sensitive and controversial topics of our society that the Bible speaks on. Unfortunately, many times these topics that I cover and I discuss offend people. I don't want to offend people, but unfortunately the morals and ideals that our society holds are different than what the morals uh, that the Bible holds are. And they are actually, actually diametrically opposed, so opposed to one another that they can actually never be reconciled ever. Which is why I don't understand, as we're going to get into the topic, you'll understand, I don't understand why people try to make the immoral ways they live and practice justified by the Bible. You see, what I've seen in my 41 years of life is people want to live the ways that the Bible calls unholy and profane and, sin, and sinful before God. But then they try to use the Bible to say that those sinful ways they practice aren't really sinful at all. So to say, you know, hey, I can live this way and sin, but God's really okay with it. You, you just have to understand. You just don't understand the Bible. Which is the case with the topic of our study today and the title of our sermon, which is Homosexual Marriage in the Bible. This is one of the biggest controversial topics in our world today and one of which many people have undertaken to justify by God's word and say it's not unholy, but it's just a preference. Well, if this is your first time listening to me today and you want to listen to more of my sermons, you'll find that I preach the Bible as is. And I don't teach it for personal gain, you see. I'm not your usual pastor. I work two secular jobs to provide for my family, for myself, and this church. Uh, We don't get many tithes and offerings, but I provide for what we do at this church through my jobs. And anything that anyone gives to Gospel Saving Church goes toward the finances we need to stay on SoundCloud and keep our website up and help with other small operating costs that we have. I teach the whole Bible, and I believe that the Bible comments on the Bible to help people understand what God is trying to say to them. I believe the Bible teaches repentance from dead works. Dead works such as sins, sinful lifestyle, works trying to get to heaven, because we know the Bible teaches not, it doesn't teach a works based gospel, okay? It te- teaches a grace based gospel. And uh, repentance from dead works and faith toward God. And that salvation comes through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone. So, to today's sermon, I must though, before I get into today's sermon, I must give you a premise as to how this sermon came to be born. You may be saying, well, Pastor Ed, you normally teach verse by verse. We're in 1 John. What makes you break off of that? Well, I had a conversation with a loved one of mine this week that came to me telling me that they were starting to believe that it was okay in God's eyes, so not a sin, for people of the same sex to be married and that the Bible didn't really call that sinful. And so it is because of this conversation, you see, that this sermon was born. As I was talking to my loved one, I realized that as God was speaking to me about the things that, you know, how he thought of this topic that we're going to study today, God showed me that, hey, you know what? This information is not really out there. Most searches that you do when you look this up on the internet, they support homosexuality and homosexual marriage in the Bible. But instead... Ed, I want you to teach them what I really have to say from this viewpoint and angle that most people don't see my truths from. And so again, it is because of this conversation and God's leading, I believe, that this sermon was born. What did we discuss? Well, my loved ones said that they had come across some information about some claims people made that the main verses in most of the English translations of the Bible that condemned homosexuality really didn't mean what the English translators said that they did, making same-gender sex and marriage okay in God's eyes and not sinful. In question today are 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10 through and 1 Timothy 1, through 8-10. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-10 through 10 says this. In the New King James Version and most English translation, it states this. Paul says to the Corinthians, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And 1 Timothy chapter 1, 8 through 10 says, uh, Paul's talking about the unsaved and those that aren't going to go to heaven when they die. Um, he He says this, But we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, knowing this. That the law is not made for a righteous person. So, see the contrast here. We have a righteous person. It's not made for that, but for the lawless person and the insubordinate person. So, that's the category that we're going to read about now. For the ungodly and for the sinners, for the unholy and profane, that's the category here. For murders of fathers, murders of mothers, murders of, or for manslayers, for for fornicators, for sodomites, for kidnappers, for liars, for perjurers, and if there is any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. So the law is made basically for those that are not in God's will, to bring them to God's will. That's what the Bible says. Now, if you read these two sections of Scripture over only, it's a clear-cut, simple thing right. Nobody that's a homosexual or nobody that's a sodomite is going to go to heaven. Correct. That's what they said. In... The New King James Version and other English translations, yes, that is the case. But, is it that clear-cut when you go back to the original Greek language that the New Testament was written in, and even the King King James Version, which was the very first English translation ever authorized by the the church? And and then when you look at those translations, those Greek words that were used there aren't really that clear-cut. The Greek word translator for homosexual in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, there, the New King James uh, Version and other English translations is actually malakos. If I'm saying it wrong, I'm not a Greek speaker, but it's malakos. And believe it or not, it doesn't mean homosexual as the New King James translators translated it, and most other English translators translated it, but it just means effeminate. Soft to the touch or male prostitute, but again, not homosexual. And the Greek word translated for sodomite is arsenokites. If again, if I'm saying it wrong, it's A-R-S-E-N-O-K-O-T or O-I-T-E-S. And that's not translated as sodomite or homosexual either, but abuser of oneself with mankind. But again not homosexual or not sodomite either and this loved one told me that since neither of these English words translated into the word homosexual then homosexuality wasn't a real sin in God's eyes including then homosexual marriage and why I mean really uh, as people get married if they're homosexual they're going to have sex in marriage that would all encompass the same thing now People have written books about this over the recent years, and they have explained these same verses that I brought up here, as well as some other verses on this topic in the Bible, that they claim support the fact that God does not consider homosexuality, including same sex marriage, a sin that would result in eternal separation from God. Or, in other words, homosexuality is not a condemnable sin. It's not something that if you do it, you're going to go to hell. God's okay with it. It's all right. They'll say, you know, hey, it's just my personal preference. And, you know, God wants me to be happy, and God wants us to enjoy our lives. And, you know what, people are just born with these natural desires to be with a person of the same sex in a relationship and in marriage. So, you know, homosexuality and homosexual marriages is okay. I mean, especially, I mean, listen to John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So that whosoever would believe in it would not perish and have everlasting life. And hey, I'm uh, you know if I say I'm a homosexual, I have this belief in Jesus. Then uh, it doesn't matter. God loves me because you know Jesus died for my sins, right? And that's what that's what people say. But are homosexual relationships and marriages sinful in God's eyes or not? Well, to start off with, aside from our topic of homosexual relationship and marriage in the Bible, I must say this. What word does the Bible use to describe two people who have sex outside of marriage? And if you didn't know this, it's quiz for the day. It's a fornicator or fornication. And there's no dispute in the Bible as to what this word fornication means. The Greek word is pornos. That may sound familiar, pornography, but yet it means a male prostitute. Or a man, we could say woman too, who indulges in unlawful sexual intercourse, so simply sex outside of marriage, because the unlawful part would be in not being married. Marriage is a law. If two people are going to be together, you know, if you want to be married, to be together, to have sex, the Bible says you need to be married. That's the law. So if two people come together, Whether you're a heterosexual person or whether you're a homosexual person and you're having sex outside of marriage, the Bible makes it clear that you will not go to heaven unless you repent of this sin before God and get it right and get married and stop having sex outside of marriage. Now, our conversation didn't cover that, but there's no skating around that issue. Again, whether you're a heterosexual man and you love women or you're a homosexual man or woman and you love men or women— doesn't matter if you have sex outside of marriage. The Bible says that you're a fornicator, and the Bible is very clear. It says that anybody that practices a sinful lifestyle shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Just just a little aside, but back to our main topic for today. So as for me and this individual, my loved one, that we we're having this conversation about whether homosexuality and homosexual marriage was a sin to God or not, God was reminding me of some things in His Word that I had forgotten about because it had been a while since I'd had this kind of conversation. But that he that, that spoke so plainly on whether or not and or I should say how God thought of homosexuality and homosexual marriage you know in his word so are homosexual relationships and marriage sin to God or not Well to start off with we must look at how God defined marriage in the very be- beginning of creation that's where we're going to go to Genesis chapter two we're going to read it. Um, in Genesis chapter 2 right after God had Adam name all the animals God looked and saw that Adam was alone and the Bible says Genesis chapter 2 we're going to read it now 2 through 24 he says this but for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam and he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place Verse 22, then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now, because he had just got done naming the animals. so hey, he's, he's on a roll. This is now bones, or this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, verse 24, and... Wrapping it up. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. What does God show us here about what he thinks about relationships? What does God show us here and what he thinks of marriage? First, verse 21. Notice, God made a woman... For Adam to be his helper in life and not a man. That's big. Listen, the context here. If you want to say, well, that's woman. That, hey, you know, wife. Hey, wife. Hey, uh, you know, if two men get married, I can I can be the man and, she, and he can be my wife. Well, nice try. The context here, the woman's use. Notice here. Uh, she is a woman and the woman is the wife. Not he is the wife and he is the man and he is the... No, she is the woman, if you go back to those through those verses, the she is the woman, and the woman is the wife. Not the man is the wife, the woman is the wife. Okay, As what the person that God gave to Adam to be the one that he was supposed to be with. Number two, God describes marriage here as he gave it in verse 24. Listen to this, I'm just going to read it over again, but I'm going to kind of throw some things in there. Therefore, a man, uh, that would be a male person, shall leave his father. Well, what is a father? A father is a male. God not only gave marriage here, but he said, hey, marriage is going to come from, listen, a man shall leave his father, that's a male, and mother, well, that's a female, and be joined to his wife, which is a woman, So here we have even not only is marriage for a man and woman, but we know that a a child is supposed to be coming, leaving their mommies and their daddies as they get older, and not leaving them a you know physical like I'm never going to see them again, but leaving underneath their umbrella and going to be with a woman and wife to be married, and then it even came from a father and a mother that they would leave to go be joined together. Now in this verse and in the whole Bible and in the new and in the old testament and even in the new testament there's only one option God gave humanity for marriage that was male and female. God didn't give two men to come together to be married and he didn't give two women to come together and be married. He gave man For woman and woman for man. Now we know that the first reason God gave Eve to Adam was to be his helpmate. Verse 20 tells us that. But did you catch the main reason God gave Eve to Adam? Look at the last part of verse 24 again. God says, And they shall become one flesh. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, you know, I know because I've been married for 20, 20 plus years. I know that when you come together, you kind of become unified together. You start making decisions together. You start, you know, you start loving one another together. You know, you start doing things together. So in a sense, you kind of become, you know, a couple or a thing or, you know, as people call it, a am a couple. So you become one in a sense of you you go from two individuals to one couple And so you're not separate anymore. But is that what God is saying here? He says, literally, they they shall become one flesh. We see the Bible speaks about this. God speaks about this. Not just that we will become one couple, but the two becoming one flesh represents how a man and a woman will come together and have children. You see, that is one of the reasons. That's the main reason why God gave woman to man, because two men can't have children, no matter how much sex that they have, and to women, no matter how much sex that they have, they can't produce a child either. So God gave woman to man so that they would become one flesh. So naturally then, we'll say, because this is something, I'm not taking this out of my own head here, naturally, since God gave woman to man to make a baby, to fill the earth, to You know, procreate, the natural way that God gave marriage and even the natural way God gave mankind to come together sexually in marriage was between man and woman. And the main reason was so that they could procreate and make more human beings. It's just as simple as that, right? So it's safe to say that heterosexual or male and female relationships for sex and marriage is the natural way God gave mankind. And so it's also safe to say That any other way would be considered unnatural, including same-sex marriage, because it goes against the only option God gave for marriage and sex inside of marriage that God gave to humanity. And if you don't think that God was telling Adam and Eve in the last part of verse 24 that their coming together to become one flesh was for the purpose of procreation, so to have children, look at what God says about the marriage relationship he gave to Adam and Eve in the expedited or yeah expedited version of creation in Genesis chapter 1 you see chapter two was more of an individual broke breakdown of what God did with Adam and Eve and how he made different things but in chapter one kind of God gives an overview and in chapter one in God's overview God says this in Genesis 1 27 and 28 about Adam and Eve's relationship listen to this so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. There's the representation again. God didn't create two men or two women. He created male and female. He created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and God said to them, this is a direct word from God, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. So be fruitful, multiply, come together together. Have lots of babies, fill the whole earth with babies, and then reign over the earth. You, man and woman, are supposed to be the rulers of this earth. That's what I'm giving you. I'm giving you the earth to rule over. Now, now, one thing I wish I would have brought up in our conversation, but that God didn't show me till later, was that guess what this is? This is a command. Ladies and gentlemen, God didn't say here, well, if you if you get around to it, you know, I'd like you to maybe someday, maybe, you know, have a kid or, you know, so, and then, no. This is a command by God. God says here as a command to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply. Now, there's only one way that you can multiply yourself if you're a human being, and that's to have sex or you know, intercourse with your wife and have a baby, and then you're multiplying yourself because the baby is literally a compilation of the genes of mom and dad, and it comes together and makes a baby. There's only one way to fill the command, and that's to have sex inside marriage. That's God's plan. That's God's law. And to procreate and to fill or multiply yourself and fill the earth. It's a command. So really, Genesis 2.20 was just the reiteration of the command God gave to Adam and Eve to come together and have kids or procreate and make other humankind to fill the earth. And again, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm not trying to be mean and I'm not being evil. But same-sex people coming together, whether they're in marriage or out of marriage, they cannot procreate and make children to fill the earth as God said. And even if science makes a way for them to procreate some way, somehow, someday, God didn't naturally give marriage... Or sex in marriage to humanity as two same sex people. He gave it as male and female is the natural relationship and the natural way that men and women are supposed to come together in marriage and procreate and have children and fill the earth. So now, even taking off the equation of those two words, and in, 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 you know, 1 Corinthians 6 and 1 Timothy 1. That, that didn't mean homosexual, we can see that God ordained heterosexual relationships and marriage as a natural order of how we wanted humankind to come together in marriage. And the command, ladies and gentlemen, is not a, it's not a well, if you get around to it, it's a command that we fill the earth, that we multiply ourselves, and so that we procreate. So is homosexuality and homosexual marriage a sin in God's eyes? According to what we just read, yes, because it goes against God's clear ordination of the natural order He set in order for men and women to be together and procreate. That means that homosexuality and homosexual marriage is a sin to God. And Jesus Christ made it very clear in Matthew chapter 7 that anyone who practiced lawlessness, or that would be any type of sin, anybody that practices a sinful lifestyle shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He'll send them away is that the only place that god tells people that he does not approve of homosexuality and considers it a sin absolutely not uh, you know very famous verses in the bible leviticus chapters 18 and chapter 22 or chapter 20 uh, or i'm sorry leviticus 18 22, god says you shall not lie with a male as with a woman it's an abomination that's how god sees Two men or two women coming together to lay with one another as a man and a woman. He sees it as an abomination. And Leviticus chapter 20, if a man lies with a male as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination, they shall surely be put to death. So although the word homosexual is not used there, the idea of same-sex people being together in a sexual way in marriage, out of marriage, is an abomination to God. And that would include, as I said earlier, that would include homosexual marriage because in marriage people have sex. So whether you're married or not, if you're a homosexual, you're still having unnatural sex that God did not want you to have because for the main reason of you're not able to procreate and fill the whole earth. Now I know that those were Old Testament verses that I used. And the Bible says that people nowadays in 2016 live under the new covenant, the blood of Christ. But the fact is is that God just said that same-sex partnerships were an abomination to him and that that means he considers homosexuality and homosexual marriage sinful. In Leviticus, God just told us what he really thought of this subject and that he considers it an abomination, so a sin. And if this practice is an abomination, a sin to God, then we can say that God hates it because the Bible says God hates sin. Now, why would God consider homosexuality and homosexual marriage an abomination and sinful, and why would he hate it so much? Well, as I said earlier, homosexuals cannot have children. And what does that do? What was God's original command going back to that? Be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. It's a command. I talked about it already. And if we are only homosexuals, and there's no heterosexual, and everybody were to come become homosexual, then that would destroy, that would negate, God would negate, that would negate God's command to humanity to be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. But it even goes a little deeper. Let's say back in the Old Testament days, everybody would have become a homosexual. Let's just say it. Okay, let's just say because it could have happened. Anything can happen, right? Let's just say it would have happened. So let's say, so in the Old Testament, that'd be before Jesus came, that homosexual marriage was, was, was prevalent and that most people, or if not all people, had become homosexual. What would that mean? If you take it to the deepest level, period. Well, Jesus Christ was born of God and a woman. God impregnated a woman, and he got her pregnant, and then she had a baby. If nobody was getting, if nobody was having sex inside marriage, this would mean that even the Savior wouldn't have been born if only homosexual marriage would have existed. All right, so, so far I've shown you how God, number one, ordained marriage between men and women because he only created man and woman to be together in marriage. And number two, how God gave Adam or Eve to Adam and and to all and all humanity a command to procreate and fill the earth. And three, I've showed you how strongly God dislikes or hates homosexuality overall because it destroys God's plan for marriage and it destroys God's plan for us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. But is there anything else in God's word that shows us that he says homosexuality and homosexual marriage is a sin, absolutely, and unfortunately, and and I've read a book before about the same subject, they grossly, and and in a holy way, they take this next passage of Scripture way out of context, and they completely destroy what Paul was really trying to say, but I'm going to read it, and I want you to be focused on what I was just talking about, about how marriage between a man and a woman is a natural thing, because natural is how God gave it. Unnatural is how God didn't make it. That's how we define natural, and that's how we define unnatural. Things that God made would be natural. Things that God didn't make are unnatural. So heterosexual sex and relationship is natural. Outside of that is unnatural. Listen to what Paul has to say in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 26. Listen to what Paul says. For the wrath of God is revealed. Now, this is not a good thing, ladies and gentlemen. The wrath of God is revealed here from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousnesses of men. Now, this is how, this is how Paul, this is how God is looking at this, right? Wrath of God against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who listen, suppress the truth and unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifested them, manifested in them for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, God, since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts. That's important, keep that in mind. They became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into the image of made like corruptible man, and birds, and four-footed animals, and creeping things. Therefore, listen, now we know the context here, the wrath of God, unrighteousness of men, bad stuff, right? Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. Now, this is how God sees this. Whatever he's going to say next, God gave them up to uncleanness, these that are in rejection unto God in the lusts of their hearts, to dishonor their bodies among themselves. This is dishonoring of their bodies. Who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forevermore. Amen. For this reason, God gave them, people, up to vile passions. Ladies and gentlemen, there's, there's nothing good about this here. Vile passions is not a good thing, okay? That means it's not right. Vile passions for even their women exchange the natural use for what is against nature. So the women were giving up what the natural use was and going against nature. Remember, natural God. Heterosexual, male, female, they gave up the natural, likewise also the man, leaving the natural use of the woman. Well, what's the natural use of the woman? To have babies, to be the helpmate of the man. Paul says here, they they left the natural use of the woman, burning in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what was shameful committing what is shameful, actually, it says, because it's still happening to this day, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. Or remember, as I said, I can't say this enough, remember what God considered the natural order for men and women, men and women coming together in God's natural order to be married, and the natural order of men and women to obey God's command to procreate and fill the world with people, which makes the unnatural way and the vile passion way Romans chapter 1, homosexuality and homosexual marriage, because there's no obedience to the command to procreate and they don't line up with God's original plan for marriage, which is male and female. So now this issue's clear. Now there's a slam dunk here to me. And I hope it is to you. Uh, What God thinks of homosexuality and homosexual marriage, I hope it is to you. God looks at homosexuality and homosexual marriage as unnatural and an abomination and a vile passion and therefore sinful and not okay. Anyway, me and my loved one had this discussion and I felt compelled, as I said earlier, to preach this message because I felt like God gave me some things that, you know what, I don't know that I've ever heard a preacher teach me these things. I, I mean, I've always you hear what society says and the laws have been passed in America and homosexual marriages is, is OK now in America. It's lawful in America. Well, just because it's lawful in America doesn't mean that it's OK in God's eyes. Maybe you've become confused on whether or not God saw this subject homosexuality and homosexual marriage is OK because of what society has embraced. Well, please don't be confused any longer. Homosexuality and homosexual marriage is a sin in God's eyes. Now, understand where I'm coming from here. This is in God's eyes. If you're a homosexual right now and you're listening to this message, anyone can do anything that they want and they can live any way that they want. You, if you do not, if you love men more than a woman and you're a homosexual, you can live any way you want. You can do whatever you want. You can act any way you want. You can do whatever you want. But understand, just because you live this way doesn't make it okay in God's eyes. God sees what you do as a sin. And sin is sin, and homosexuality is a sin to God. And as I said, Christ in Matthew 7 says that anyone that practices sin as a way of life will not inherit eternal life. So there it is. There it is. There's what the Bible really says about homosexuality and homosexual marriage. Now please don't misunderstand me and why I taught this subject today. I don't hate people who practice homosexuality. Or even those who have gotten married into homosexual marriages. And I don't believe God hates them either. If you're listening to me, if you're a homosexual, I don't believe God hates you either. I don't hate you. I love everyone, no matter what you do, and no matter how you act, and so does God Almighty. He is love. He is light. But just because God loves everyone, you, me, everyone on the earth, even homosexuals, doesn't make a person saved or right in his eyes. There's an old saying. It's not really found in the Bible in one verse, but rather is an overall idea, and it goes like this. God loves the sinner, but hates their sin. Is homosexuality a bigger sin than fornication or adultery or idolatry, lewdness, murder, thefts, etc.? And, and how it separates people from God? Absolutely not. Whether you steal hundred dollars or whether you rape a woman or whether you you uh, you know you you go out and you drive your car hundred miles an hour and you murder somebody or whatever, all that sin separates people from God. Just because you're a homosexual and 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 well, I'm a I'm a pro, you know a lady's a prostitute doesn't make your sin any different. And I don't look upon you any different than any other sinner, as I used to be in the whole world, as I still am a sinner. But sin is sin in God's eyes, and as far as how it separates people from Him, and the Bible is clear, as I said, that anyone who practices any type of sinful lifestyle is not going to go to heaven. So if I've offended you today by teaching you what God really says in his word about homosexuality and homosexual marriages, I apologize that I, what I said offended you. I really do. I'm sorry if what I said today made you offended. But I'm not sorry that I taught you the truth because I will not apologize for the truth. And what God says is what God says. And he is the final authority and not me the fact is, is that god loves everybody very much and christ died for all mankind's sins but a person must repent of any sinful way of life that they live to be saved even those ways they're trying to work their way to heaven and they need to turn to christ and surrender their lives and lose their lives for the sake of jesus christ as jesus put it and make a decision to live for him and obey his commands and follow his teachings changing the topic for just a moment i must ask you that are listen to me just a few questions as I close, okay? Think about this. this is gonna, I hope this really shakes you up on this last few things I have to say. Are you really saved, whoever you are? Are you really born again, whoever you are that are listening? And if you died right now, do you really, are you really sure you'd go to heaven? Here's why I ask those questions. Please don't get caught up in looking at the sin of a homosexual person. Yes, if they don't repent and surrender to Christ, they'll go to hell. But look at your own lives and test your own self to see if you are really saved. Many in our world today believe themselves to be saved and go into heaven when they die. And they think they're going to be there forever for eternally. But they're wrong. Check out the sermon I just did a couple weeks ago entitled The Test of Knowing Him. And you'll see what I'm saying. But my final words to those who are listening to me out there, homosexual or straight, Proclaimed Christian or not, those who believe themselves good people, or whatever you think yourself, whatever you think of yourself. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 24, Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. They believe in him. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. These are people that believe themselves to be Christians. They believe that Lord nobody calls Jesus Lord except the Christian. And they believe in him, but he says, but he who does the will of the Father, that's the one that's going to go to heaven, Jesus says. Well, do you know what the will of God is? It's only one will, and it has to do with salvation. You must ask yourself, do I do the will of God? Because Jesus said it's not enough that we just know it, but those who do the will of God. Do you do the will of God that's in heaven? And he goes on to say, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness or you who practice sin. So no matter what, no matter what profession you may make with your mouth, if you're not doing the will of God and you're committing sin as a way of life, you shall not go to heaven. So I challenge you with that no matter who you are, homosexual or straight, Christian or non-Christian, good person or not good person. Study those words and ask yourself, if I were to die today, would I really go to heaven? But God loves you and he wants you to turn to him now. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Lord God, for this message. Thank you so much, Lord God, for every single person that will ever listen to this message, Lord God, because you, the future, you know it. And, and Lord, I just pray that you would draw all kinds of people to this message, Lord God. I, I just, Lord, there's no other way to look at this issue today, and there's no other way to really look at salvation. If we're not doing your will, and we're practicing a sinful lifestyle, Lord, we will not go to heaven. Please, dear God, draw people to you. Help them to realize if they're living in a sinful way of life, whether they're fornicating, whether they're a homosexual, whether they're a sodomite, whether they're a prostitute, whether they're a thief, whether they're an adulterer, whatever, whoever that they are, Lord, listen to this message. I pray, dear God, that they would now know that your word is very clear. If they practice that as a way of life, any of the sins that the Bible talks about, then they shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Please, dear God, bring people to their knees I pray that they would cry out to you, Lord God, turning to you away from their sin, unto you, turning their hearts and putting them in your hands and surrendering their lives unto you. And I pray that they would do it even right now. And your arms are open wide, welcoming all that come. Thank you, dear God. And we praise you and we love you and we thank you. we ask these things, all these things, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.